people of color from, for instance, the Caribbean or Latin America who are not black and are listening to this type of music, they feel like they have a license to say the N-word when it's in songs. Mm. As long as I'm not saying it to you, it's okay for me to say it. Or as long as you're my friend, it's okay for me to say it. Yeah, uh, no. If you ain't black, it is never okay to say the N-word. But anyway, welcome to another episode of Stranger Fruit, y'all. This is Donovan, and we are so happy that you are here to listen to part two of our four-part series on the rise of violence. This installment centers our beloved genre of hip-hop. If you don't already know, Stranger Fruit is a video podcast with the mission of combating anti-blackness everywhere, centering the black and brown perspective on topics like politics, race, pop culture, media, music, and so much more. Personally, I could not wait for the second portion of the conversation myself. I am sure that all of y'all who heard the episode were like, wait a minute, I need to hear more. Hola mi gente, it's Constanza Eliana, and let me tell you, even though I was in person filming this episode, I also cannot get enough of the discussion. As Donovan mentioned, we began to transition the conversation that you heard in part one to the second portion to whether or not non-black people of color and white folks are being influenced by hip hop, not only to appropriate hip hop culture as more of a performative marker of coolness, but to get away with saying the N word. For me, this is where it became really important for me to speak to what I personally see as a Puerto Rican who isn't black, but listens to hip hop regularly. And also to give space for those who have strong feelings about the subject to express why it is so problematic. I shared a little bit more as to what I personally see in the community and also the confusion that I have felt being in spaces with people who look like I do, but we're using the N-word. These days, it has become really normal to see non-Black people not just listening to hip-hop, but also profiting off of it and getting away with a lot of wild behavior. And so for us here at Stranger Fruit, it was really important to bring in people who felt strongly about the direction that they see hip-hop going in and why it needs to change. This episode features the brilliant voices of Nikki, Dr. Donna, Kumo, Juice, Tadeo, Elijah Day, Tiffany, and Marquise. We touch on sensitive topics, so buckle in. We hope that this episode will inspire you to dig deep and go beneath the layers with us. Our panelists present not just their perspectives, but also facts as well as their personal opinions. So we really encourage you to always do your own research as you listen and learn. Okay, mi gente, let's tune back in. You know I can't help but these Cause they know they can never touch these So baby, let me talk my shit Or I might just throw another feed I saw a very interesting video recently. I don't know the people's names in the video, but it was an altercation between a student who looks like a POC but not black and a, and a teacher who is black and maybe a Gen Xer or a young baby boomer. Mm -hmm. So this person is significantly older than this very, very young student. And the student is like just nigga this, nigga that, nigga, 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 at this man trying to be like, yo, come on, nigga, let's go, let's fight. Like trying to fight with this teacher, this older, this older man. The teacher is the one who wound up swinging on the boy. Are you serious? And I thought to myself like, hmm, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. who the fuck raised this? Right. 
little boy who's not black who's hurling the N-word because somebody, someplace, there was some messaging that told him that it was okay. And probably is your favorite hip-hop artist, No Shade. Mm-hmm. So he decided that is his word. He gets, he gets to be able to say it. He's hurling at this man, this man whom we don't know. He probably marched over a bridge or two. And he, he swung have... and hit the shit out of him. And, and the most petty part of me was like, hallelujah, yes, you need to get your ass beat. Because clearly nobody beat your ass before. But you're going to learn on today. But the more responsible <laughs> academic version of myself is like, oh, well, he shouldn't have hit him. That's irresponsible. Uh-huh. How could he? But I'm, but I'm talking to about, about the stuff that we often don't speak about, which is the anger. The anger that's inside of this young person who is approaching the teacher this way, who has no boundaries and no respect, no respect for the fact that this is a black man who you're hurling the N-word at, right? So that commodification of street culture, that commodification of our own, the way that we speak with each other, it belongs to everyone. This, to me, is another type of violence, Mm -hmm. right? That I think that people don't talk about. The violence of having music that that... Gives the impression mm-hmm. that the nig- that niggas for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. That same fifty-something percent that somebody was talking about who consume the music who are who are not black, mm-hmm. right? So now they may pause when they hear the N word. If there's another melanated people in, a person in the room, maybe they won't say it, but the majority of the time they are, yeah. right? They they feel like they belong. Now they can feel like they, they feel like they can be in the face of somebody who you're supposed to respect and fight them. So my thing is is like. For all of us, I'm still in the hood. I'm right here in Flatbush. So being in the hood, I hear conversations with kids all the time, reciting, listening to rap lyrics. It just happens. It's a part of the culture. That shit has not changed since I was coming up. I'll say that. But also the continuation of talking about violence and wanting to beat somebody up and all of these kinds of things. In my mind, I'm like... Y'all could say that there's no correlation, but the lie detector determined that that was a lie. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out like... How, because I know that you're a parent, how do you think about, like, do you let your child listen to that kind of music and why not? Absolutely not. I mean, my experience is a little different. First of all, I'm a pastor's kid, so I was very sheltered. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. Anybody who grew up in the church knows what secular (laughs) music So I came into hip hop and secular music later on in life. And in some ways, I'm grateful for a little bit of the sheltering because I was exposed to such positive messages and positive music that by the time I got to that point, I could filter out better what it was that I wanted in my space and in my ear. And I was exposed to all of it um, and what I didn't. And as a parent, that's exactly what I'm doing for my son. Like, I can't shelter him from anything. I have a I have a cell phone for him because I'm afraid of mass shootings and they happen all the time. Exactly. So you're going to have your phone. You know, he has YouTube, He has access to YouTube. So, of course, he listens to music. And I have benchmarks and things in place so that he doesn't hear. But things get through. Yeah. Um, and so how I counterbalance that is I expose him to music that I like that I think that he will like, that may cross over the generation, or just in my generation, because my generation of hip-hop, I feel like it's a contradiction, but there was some positive music in my generation of hip-hop that I can expose him to and say, this is the kind of music you want to listen to because I want you to be built up. I don't want you to be tore down. So that's why I have you listen to Common. That's why I have you listen to Nas. And yeah, I know you're hearing this and that and the other, but at the end of the day, you didn't grow up that way. And I certainly don't want you to turn into those things. I don't want you to perpetuate those and I don't want you to be commodified as part of that that culture. So yes, I want you to enjoy hip hop culture, but I want you to learn how to filter those things out 
that will not behoove you because guess what? If you keep talking about violence, eventually you're going to become violent. If you keep hearing, if you keep seeing drugs, you might want to try it, you know? I just kind of talk him through what he's seeing and what he's hearing so that he has a balance on those things. And I don't think that parents nowadays do that. I don't know if they ever did it because it's music. So you think music is a universal language. So music is music, whatever. But no, music is not music. Like I said, there are studies that show that music has a profound effect on human behavior. And we know if it started revolutions, it knows like if I'm in a good mood and I listen to depressing music, I'm going to be sad. And if I'm listening to certain hip hop and something like, I could be like, oh, but I'm from the burbs of New Jersey. Like I never, <laughs> I never pulled a gun or whatever. And I'm like, but it never made me necessarily want to go and do those things. But the, again, I have a different upbringing, but people don't always have that. So they grew up in these environments that might, might have been toxic or might have been dangerous. And so they feel they relate to it. And so I think people need to start kind of having conversation about what reality is and what they're seeing and try and find a distinction. But I think as people, we need to demand of our artists start putting more positive music out in the atmosphere. Talk about your experience, but where are you going from there? Mm -hmm. Are you just going to stay here? And I'm always going to go back to that because we can't like just keep staying advocating here. advocating media literacy. There's a whole <laughs> name for it because it's, it wouldn't even just be music. It's also what people are watching passively and actively. Exactly. It, yeah. It's all the things can change your change your emotions or what have you. Yeah. So I'm like, I definitely agree. I mean, as part of what I do, I do a five-day pleasure challenge. And one of the challenges is to listen to music that gets you in another. Mm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, build that famous friend. Um, <laughs> so I definitely understand what you're saying in there. And I would say that the media literacy, part of the responsibility then is going to be on the parents. Some of the responsibility, because I can't necessarily tell you don't make what you want to make right. music wise. But certainly I can say I'm not finna listen to that shit. Right. And like, let's be real. Money talks, bullshit walks. So if you decide that y'all over here faking Drake, you, you a gangster, Degrassi. If you want to say like, oh no, we're not doing that shit no more. Yeah. And you want to like pull, pull the card, um, as was said earlier, as well as say like, let's deconstruct this song that we're listening to. And let's talk about the parts of it that we like. Versus the parts of it that we don't like versus the part that doesn't even seem to be sitting in any level of reality right. Right. or making any type of sense. Like, let's have those conversations. Yeah. That sounds like and a I show. Think, yeah. yeah. To be honest, it I want to keep it a bean. That's a lesson I, like I do that. with my students. Like, we, yeah. I say, can, you, can you argue that the City Girls um, act up is a feminist anthem? Can you argue it from this perspective? You break down the lyrics. And you see a bunch of different mm -hmm. answers appear. But it's a fun excite, a fun thing because you that realize, is. like, as an English teacher, they don't know how to critically engage with work. Mm. And that's a skill that is missing now. And so now it is to this point of like, TikTok is instant gratification. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Is like once you find the niche that works for you, you're doing the same dance for the next 10 TikToks, right? Oh, yeah. Because that's gonna be what comes in. You don't that's have to engage album. with anything that's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I'm noticing like the other part of the conversation is kids don't have a sense of self right now. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have a sense of They're self vulnerable. right now. They're yeah, and we're not truly in community with each other anymore. Mm -hmm. So nobody actually truly cares. Right. And so because of that, it's a lack of communal space, it's a lack of critical engagement, media literacy. And it's the other part of it is like you don't know who you are yeah. and there's no starting point. Right. Like I was like, I have to approach education completely differently now because that space where I could engage in creativity, engage in like, well, what is Marquise actually like? What is Marquise not like? Well, I really like this, right? They're not doing that anymore because at this point, here's what I got, here's what I consume. So I don't even know if people are actively engaging with wow. music. It's a passive consumption. Mm -hmm. And some and parents so, are parenting. You said, I'm looking like that parents are having mini me's. 
right? There's a narcissistic masturbatory exercise in having children to be you. You want the kid to be you. So what do you want them to do? Listen to your music. Yeah. You want them to like the things that you like and for y'all to, cool. yeah, so you want to be cool. You don't want a parent. Oh, no. Right? And you certainly don't want to engage in critical discourse about the shit that you like that you're encouraging your kid to like. Except yeah. Papa so Blue, like, you were problematic. It's a, it's a little bit. It's <laughs> but you can do, about. I feel like one second juice. Let, let that, we're going to let that I also we'll want to talk more about, because you, you talk about accountability but i think we have some communal economic accountability we can start paying for people to be diverse again and we'll, so what we're talking about what we're missing from the yesteryear and everybody looks back more nostalgia but i feel like artists used to be artists and it wasn't a gimmick now music is just a gimmick because you don't make money off of music anymore it's the image the image is what is profitable and so because we have said that this is what we want to see we want to see that violence that's what's paid you know r&b is dead so you had that counterbalance. It's I would listen to. It's coming back. It's coming back. Twenty twenty three is going to be R and B year. Stop playing this. It's a hashtag. It's a hashtag. It's not. It's not real. <laughs> Hashtags are not a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, it was counterbalanced. So we had the De La Soul yes. who were doing this, but we also had Elo Cool J. We also had people like N W A. But we also had. You know, still like Johnny Gill and all these other people. So there was there was more diversity. Now all of this is blended because the image is what is it's not the music. The Mm -hmm. image is what sells. So even the R and B artists are hip hop artists. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the music, even in the soul, the soul music is still that same violence. It's like this is what the violence has done for me. There's no because why? It's not profitable Mm -hmm. to have that diversity of message anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we need to start paying. And using our dollars, our our accountability economically, and saying we want artists to be artists again. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, an, ahead, an aspect to this is I'm sitting here and I'm really enjoying the conversation, but I'm also trying to absorb all of the ways in which I listen to hip hop music and have been since I've been growing up here, and how I engage with it, and all of the ways in which maybe I have absorbed the anti-black narrative of violence and it being inherently violent. But I'm also paying attention to all of the non-black people, POC or otherwise, who are trying to emulate the culture. Like you said, it's become very performative where you're trying to emulate the culture without belonging to it or contributing to it. Mm -hmm. So we talked about Bad Baby a little while ago in a different episode. The Baby? No, no bad, bad, bad baby. Catch me outside. So she, so the Catch Me Outside girl. Oh! Catch Me Outside. has oh, yeah. no experience with anything of what she's talking about. But she has profited so much off of pretending to be that. Don't worry, Donovan here, in case you were just as confused as I was about who the hell Bad Baby is. So, she went viral following her appearance on the Dr. Phil show in 2017, coining the phrase, catch me outside, sporting an attitude and black scent sure to bring in the coins, okay? According to Forbes.com, Bad Baby made $49 million in 2021 from OnlyFans and ranked number 16 in top creators in 2022. The rapper also had three songs in Billboard's Hot 100. Must be nice, huh? She's not the only one. There are so many examples of it on TikTok, on Instagram. Literally, it's everywhere. And when I look at people of color from, for instance, the Caribbean or Latin America who are not black and are listening to this type of music, they feel like they have a license to say the N-word when it's in songs. Mm. As long as I'm not saying it to you, it's okay for me to say it. Or as long as you're my friend, it's okay for me to say it. 
So yeah. <laughs> how do y'all feel about? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, yeah. but that's my that's that leads into my question right. of like, no how case. do you feel about that trickle down effect of not for black folks, but for people outside of the culture yes. who are also consuming, also giving in the dollars, and 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 using it as an excuse to act the way that they well, act. Well, Dr. Donna just question. said it. You got to stop giving passes. Mm-hmm. That's up to us. That has yeah. nothing to do with me. When I'm when I'm in a room full of people and it's mixed and it's white and it's Spanish and all these people and I, certain songs come on and I know the lyrics, yeah. Yeah. my head's on a swivel. Because <laughs> right. I want to like, see who's going to say it because I'm going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be looking right at right. you because I want you to right. say it while I'm looking at you. <laughs> that's our job to do that. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the music. I'm not going to tell people to stop saying nigga if that's the word, you know, if they're a black person and that's the word that... that you know, they've reclaimed and that they use in their everyday life. I'm not going to tell right. them, but it's my job to stop stop these people from saying it while they're in my presence. Child, can you right. my family? They're from Puerto Rico, so there's like an intersection of hip-hop with them. Invite me to the cookout. So I'd be like, fam, you can't say that. Invite me. I'm laying right on the table like, but you, you. But they think it's okay. They really, really think it's okay. And in a lot of ways, I remember watching an episode of Rami. So Rami is Arabic, I think Egyptian or Palestinian. There was an episode where he went to Egypt to visit his family, and his family is not black, mm. but they were listening to hip hop music, and they were basically like, oh, we're, we're African, we're basically black, so we can do this, we can say this. And I love that he put that in the episode because I can think back to visiting, you know, Puerto Rico and hearing people saying the N word, and I'm over here like, um, <laughs> when did this start? <laughs> Very confused. And so I hate that you have to do that because your experience and, and, and listening to music that comes from your culture, you shouldn't have to have the swivel, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's where I'm coming from is like, what responsibility do non-black people have to make sure that they are educating themselves, that they are enjoying the music, but not perpetuating something that's potentially harmful or putting you in a position where you have to swivel your head, Yeah, you know? I feel, I've, so- to answer that question back to the idea that young people are still trying to figure out who they are and they don't know necessarily who they are, you know, or going to be. Um, again, if non-black people or POC, but mostly white people consume hip hop, I think, I mean, this might seem shady. Some white people attest to it, some don't. But when it comes to culture, oftentimes white people have culture, but white people have culture, not whiteness. Mm. So what I mean by that is there's Irish culture there's Scottish culture, but there's no white culture because oftentimes white culture is American culture, which is very much black culture mm. or a mixture of Spanish um, culture or Mexican culture specifically. I Dios mío. And a 2018 Statista survey found that 69% of black Americans, 49% of white Americans, and 39% of Latin Americans believe that rap and hip hop is the musical genre most representative of America today. So interesting, right? So I feel like when it comes to non-black or um, non-POC individuals, they're seeking a place and identity and to be the the black kid is to be cool mm. and of course they're going to follow that and that's what the bad, bad baby does because it's also lucrative yeah. it's right. also yeah. um a status symbol but also yes you may you know correct people but no shade you ain't the person with the power that's really having influence I'm, I'm it is unfortunate you do that but you're not that producer in the booth that's telling that one white person not to say it, or you're not that one black rapper always oh, okay because you my you my yeah. homie mm-hmm. you know the people who have clout are giving these non-black people these passes oh and we've seen this trickle down from even now 
even as a gay person, obviously to me, bitch is most of the time is be derogatory to women. But from my gay perspective, everyone's a bitch. A bitch can be a person, <laughs> noun, thing, or an oh, adjective. Yeah. You know, bitch is like work. Yeah. Bitch is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but at the same time, because of hip hop now, you know, and I know it sounds very, it's low-key respectability politics, but there's some truth into it. I mean, like, going from the N-word to the word bitch, like, black women have been complaining about that word since the 80s. I remember, like, in my hip-hop class, like, we were talking, like, women have wrote books on why are you, why are these black rappers calling us bitches? But when, you know, Molly Cyrus is featured on these songs or Katy Perry is featured on these songs, you're not calling these white women bitches. Right. You're not calling these non-black women bitches. Right. So it's become, it's become a norm. It's also become a part of the culture that they think, okay, if I want to be this cool person, I'm going to be a bad bitch. So a bad bitch is also, yes, liberating, but it's also, damn, like you took the word bitch to the point where it was used to be derogatory towards you, but now also you took the word bad bitch and added, now you're adding female empowerment, but also it's still degrading. You right. can't just dissect the toxicity out. Because for that little kid whose black friends probably allow him to say the N-word, I would argue, because I, I see it a lot now, is that you can't then look at the black teacher and be like, nigga, 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 and I'm supposed to believe, like, you talk, friend, 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 no, you want to fight him, so I know you're using the N-word in a certain context. It gets really, really, really strange. I think it's, it's very much about the influence, like you said, because everybody wants to be an influencer, but nobody wants to actually take responsibility for being influential, yeah. right? When you are actually in a place where, you, where millions and millions and millions of people are following you, but you throw your hands up and say, it wasn't me, the music isn't violent, I'm not violent, I didn't do nothing, I, so what I call people bad bitches, it is, or, or a bitch, it doesn't make a difference, or I say nigga, 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 I'm just like... You know, the thing is, is like, I get it. There was somebody, his name is George. George was on a show a long time ago and he said, you know, black people have taken scraps and made it into something delicious. And I, and in, in talking about the N word, but also talking about food, right? Like the scraps and like literally making it into something delicious that we eat to this day, our stews, things like that. It came out of poverty, right? So I actually feel very sympathetic and empathetic towards taking things that people have said to hurt us and to take it and to put power into it. I think that that's completely fine. I just don't think that we need to be in a place where we're pretending that things aren't happening when they are happening. Because Black folks, we have been on a path of acquiring power. And in acquiring that power, we're trying to figure out how to wield it and shape it so that it's ours. We're also trying to actually define blackness outside of the white gaze. Mm. When you have people who get to pull the strings, we'll bring the white, po the white folks back into the conversation for a second. When you have white people who are pulling the strings of what's actually happening, but you have a level of players who are willing to engage. When you have an industry like the NFL that has majority black players, but no one is willing to step out to say, let's start our own shit. There is a passivity, right, that we have, and then we kind of like articulate our way out of it. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's not violent. It's not such a big deal. You know, it's really about poverty. It's about all those things. It is about those things. But we also have people who understand who have bought into capitalism. Mm -hmm. And capitalism doesn't give a fuck about what's going on in, in Flatbush. Pop Capitalism cares about making money off of Flatbush. So if you're a black folk, if you're a black person, you're saying like, I want in on the money game. Let me do it too. I'm looking at you like I'm not fucking with you. You are an agent of white supremacy for me. So when I'm listening to people and you calling me, you just niggering me out. I can't figure out what else I can be called. I'm not fucking with you. So what do you do about no, that, Joe? 
We don't do. We I don't even. I don't even acknowledge or recognize <laughs> Fat Joe as a person. And that's, <laughs> that's the, the reaction, though. We give him a pass. We give him a pass. And the thing is, is like, and oftentimes, just because people think because you're Puerto Rican, you are intrinsically black or have some black roots. And I'm not saying that's not the truth, but we forget the fact that. Just because you may be Puerto Rican and have black blood or black lineage, does that mean that's how you receive? That's not how you right. interact. That's not how you're treated. But in we the all world. or how you even present. And, <laughs> and then he does, and he does yeah. a disservice when he says, "My homie, say I can say that." And then, and this is why. Also, when I was in school, this is another thing that makes me angry. <laughs> when when it comes to the N word, non-black folks say, "I was raised in the hood. I get to say it." So now oh. you're equating poverty and, and to, to the associating to blackness and giving right. you a rite of passage to say it. And it's like. Being called a nigger wasn't because I was in power. It's being called a nigger was because of my skin color and right. a way to degrade me and to make me understand that I am less than. Right. So again, you want to call me that because you want to be called my homie, but you're not understanding the cultural significance and the history and why we are trying to reclaim it. But let alone when you're my skin color and I ask you if you're black, you say, no, you're Dominican. Mm -hmm. You deny your blackness, even if it is a part of you. Because but I again, like that word though. I'm going to use it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. it's cool. It has clout. I, I want to be I want to be a nigga. I want to be just like you, but not what you go through. Right. I want to be a part of you, but I don't want to experience your bullshit. Say really Thank quickly, you, Elijah Day. That, the reason that this happens, and it, again, um, I push back. You know, I, I keep my, my foot on the neck of the whiteinos and the mestizos <laughs> um, all the time. Because right. black people actually exist within Latinidad. That's my whole spiel. Um, when we actually came here, what you were called is what your race was. So we have mm -hmm. actual Puerto Ricans that were black were actually called it derogatorily, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when the N-word, the, the pass you get is, would anybody in anger call you this, right? And so mm -hmm. Fat Joe went and passed that test, right? Yeah. He would have been called wetback or any other spick mm -hmm. or something like that, right? He wouldn't have mm -hmm. um, people that look like me, all of the people that are from Panama that have just fully, so there's a difference between cultural identity and racial identity. Mm -hmm. Right, and so cultural blackness is what we're talking about, but we can't mistake that with the racialized blackness because a lot of people that are culturally, that are racially black are not culturally black as in the United States. Mm -hmm. However, when people are coming here and they're saying that I want to pass to this, I want to do this, I want to have blah, 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 you have to remember that it's because anti-blackness is parasitic to blackness. So what does that mean? People, what parasites do is they, 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 they love to consume the thing we keep the things that have been consumed. Mm -hmm. So anti-blackness means we want to get rid of black people, but we need to keep what black people have produced, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And so that's why people are not buying into blackness. They're buying into black culture because the, the production of it. That's why they want to replace black people with more passing, palpable people. And then, the, so I would make even the argument that a lot of more kind of racially ambiguous people paved the ways for the Mac Millers. And for the like, that wouldn't have been a thing in the past. Ice, ice, the vanilla ice tried that in the past, and, and it didn't work, right? But Thank now God. it's commonplace because why? There's that buffer state of okay, you got a little bit of racial capital, right? Mm -hmm. That currency that you have because you are partially black, um, which then leads the door to this person who has no racial capital, mm -hmm. but they they're trying to make the argument on of, off of a cultural relevance like i've been in, i've culturally black mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but i don't have the racial blackness mm -hmm. and so that's the argument that the non-black mm -hmm. latinos use all the time yeah no that don't it don't hit. doesn't work for me. it's not hitting that excuse <laughs> it doesn't it's, work it's because if you were like when i first got here you know what i mean i was called nigger like with a hard e yeah. Yeah. 
hard mm -hmm. ER, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a difference between the Latinos that people need to ask you if you're Latino and the, the Latinos that people need to ask you if you're black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that that's wow. absolutely true because even when I moved to the United States, that's not a thing I ever experienced. I experienced wetback, spick, anything, even like Arabic, you know, slurs. But I never once heard that. And that that's what brought me the level of confusion of seeing first um, uh, first generation, second generation Latinos who looked like me saying the N-word, something I had to learn the history of. I didn't even know English at the point. And so once I started figuring out, oh, these are the lyrics, this is what they're saying. Now I'm looking at people who look like me like, why are you saying it? <laughs> but who told you y'all asked it's a different social yeah. contract though because historically if we look at now if we're looking at hip-hop as a culture it is black and puerto rican if we're going to be fully honest like in terms of the people who brought it up together and so if we're going to keep it a being with everybody like yes i grew up in a very multi-ethnic community and we they were like oh well they're going to say it the hispanics going to say it the black people going to say it everybody going to say it because we didn't know any better and we didn't have the racial social contract that we have today and I think that's just the difference of reckoning that we are also having is because historically hip hop was bred from two ethnicities, a couple different cultures and came up together. However, racially, it became a lot blacker and that's who we claim it to be. But the word was used within community. So if I'm going to be honest around even where I came from outside the intellectual stuff, that was everybody's drawn together. But now I think with this new social contract, we are having this like back track of like, mm. well, did we accept this before? I knew I used to, and I'm 12, 13, I said, oh, you can say it, you're good. Mm. But I see my pop-up Leroy, I wasn't saying around him, you weren't gonna say near my pop-up Leroy, but very different. So I think that's the other part that we have to also take accountability for, because it was very normalized for us growing up. Whether I don't know how it was in New York, but I know, you know, Philly, Reading area was yeah. very much so, everybody's saying it. So I do also question around like this, Base that we have now and this almost like moral superiority of like, no, you shouldn't say it now. But we no, used to grow up and stuff no, like that. It too, wasn't so. for J-Lo. Because oh. y'all remember when J-Lo said mm -hmm. it in that she song. Did. They, <laughs> what? They oh, ate her up. Oh, no. You about to what start a whole new episode. What was that song? She did with one of the rappers. They ate her alive. They ate her alive. With Ja Rule, they ate her alive about that. I remember when, was it I'm Real? Yeah. Came out and she used the N-word. You were on that song. I wrote it. You wrote the song. So you wrote that line for her. Absolutely. Was there like a sit down like, I'm not sure if I should say this line or not? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's kind of an unwritten thing that Spanish and Puerto Ricans and niggas and we're all kind of yeah. in the same family. And, and she, you know, so it's like, why can't she say nigga? That Joe says it. I, all my Spanish niggas I know say nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not. Why, why do you I think? never looked at it at them yeah. in any way and, and and said like, yo, you know, watch watch that. You know what I'm saying? Well, why do you think people were upset over that? I people definitely I, I, I think, were upset. I think they were upset because they don't see her as uh, 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 Jenny from the block, Jenny from the Bronx. They see her as this global icon and. Uh, matter of factly, some people probably see her as white. They don't understand the dialogue that is used in our hoods. You know what I'm saying? They don't understand. And that's how Puerto Ricans and Spanish people speak. That's how black people speak. And we are allowed to speak that way amongst each other. 
But there's also the conversation around Cardi B and whether she should uh, be able to say it because she's mm-hmm. Dominican. Mm-hmm. I think fully Dominican. Well, I think she's her father is like, like yeah. the same. So that's like well, the curve. And it's weird because technically, some people argue her and Cardi and Nicki Minaj are very much the same mixture because I think mm-hmm. her father's Trinidadian, Indian Trinidadian, mm-hmm. and I think her mother is like Caribbean, mm-hmm. and um, Cardi B's father or parent is in uh, Trinidadian. So right. people have argued. Does even Onika Mirage have the right to say this? <laughs> right, right. But do you see how like deep in the weeds we are with this? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like who gets to say who gets to offend me and who doesn't, or who gets to love us and, and who doesn't? It's Just very Americans. fucking confusing. <laughs> but it, but in terms of it as a system and how the culture then plays into the system, it directly and disproportionately, I believe, affect Black people. Mm-hmm. Do you want to um, jump in? I um, did. I wanted to say that, and hopefully this isn't off the topic, but I think that we can't just talk about violence and hip hop without talking about other genres of music. And I say that because I listen to country music because I love the harmonies. I listen, I'm, I'm a dancer, so I dance salsa, bachata, merengue, dumbao, afrobeats. I dance all of it. So I, I'm exposed to a lot of different music. And one of the things I notice is I don't see the degradation of women and other people's cultures towards themselves like I see in hip hop. Like, when I listen to country music, they might be talking about love and heartbreak and, you know, um, what's the song by Carrie Other? I keyed her car, I slashed her tires or whatever, right? Right, but it's not to the degree where you feel like someone's going to murder someone. It's just like, you're really upset, lady, and you just want to get this out. She's going to fuck her Um, shit up. Or I listen to reggaeton. Yeah, there might be some sexualization in there, but at the end of the day, I don't hear them calling their women bitches. And so it's like, why is it within our music... Um, we're constantly, because they're talking mostly about their co- love of country, love of people, mm-hmm. like, it, it's it's completely different. And I talked to one of my friends who's an Afro king, he's an Afro beats master on the dance floor, and I was like, okay, well, in Africa, there's quite a bit of poverty, right? But Afro beats has come up like, whoa, right? But you can take Afro beats and you can put it in any setting, right? Because it's mostly positive. Like, you don't hear them cussing people out and stuff. They're talking about love or somebody, woman they trying to take or whatever. But it's not, like, so, de- you know, derogatory that you can't bring it into a room with full of children. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, it's because culturally it is not acceptable in most of Africa, mostly because of religious, you know, you have Muslims, you have Christians. Um, it is not acceptable for that type of music to be played um, in, you know, it's just not acceptable. They want positive music. They want positivity. And I was like, because you guys are still in poverty. You're still talking about your experiences and what's going on in your music, in Afrobeats. But you're not talking about shooting and killing somebody. So what what happened? What's the difference? Mm -hmm. So I feel like when we talk about Mm -hmm. music and we talk about hip-hop and violence, Let's look at some of the other genres of music that are not necessarily, which has to do with the diaspora and those that don't have to do with diaspora. And why is it that we only see this threat of violence inside of our culture? I think the difference Trauma. is the this the is straight, the, last word. the straightforwardness of it. Oh, no. they, I listen to country music too. I listen to a lot of different music and it's there. They've been talking about beating their wives, killing their wives, never heard that killing, killing, but <laughs> because yeah. the way they do it, it the way they do it, especially like, let's say country music, for instance, it's be- like, like the, we use the Carrie Underwood song. She's talking about vandalizing this man's car yeah, that's because he doesn't want to be with her. Like, that's your windows, not your windows, your windows out your car. But it's the way that they do it. 
hip hop is a very blunt type of music. Okay. And so they just outright say, I'm finna get him, I'm finna roll up on him and, and, and empty it out in him. Whereas country would be like, um, it, it's just the way that they do, they Don't slide the knife in easier. But it's there. So if we look so. at these I other, I think that it's there. Yeah. For me, I vehemently disagree with that. I think that this is a part of what I consider to be a lack of accepting the truth, which is that, yes, there are examples of violence in country music, violence in reggae, violence in reggaeton, violence in these other kinds of music. Completely, 100% agree, right? But we're talking specifically about the, the overindulgence, right, and the ramifications of that. And it's not to say that violence don't, does not exist in these other places, because there's violence in Africa, there's violence in Latin America, et cetera, et cetera. But the glorification, the amplification, the dollars that amplify this, the culture, right, it's, it's there and it's present. And like my hope and my wish from this conversation is not to diminish anyone's talent. It's not to take away from our narratives, which do include violence, but it's about telling the truth. Because the last thing that I'll say is that the violence that comes down to the pipeline happens to the most vulnerable of us, right? So the homophobic, misogynistic, specifically specializing in misogynoir, does affect black women. It affects Mm -hmm. black trans women who lay dead disproportionately to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it comes from someplace. It comes from religion. It comes from education. But it also does come from the two biggest ways that we consume and learn, which is media what we see and what we hear. And there is nothing that anybody can do to take that away or to make it not be. And I feel like the more conversations that we have about it, if we are brave enough to be honest about that, I think that we can begin to petition behind and support people who do have more positive things to say. But I think as long as we're not willing to participate honestly in the conversation, the people who don't give a fuck are going to continue to rise to the top. And they're going to continue to decide what our future looks like. Because now it's mumble rap. But, and, and no shade, mumble. Be on drugs. Well, if that makes you happy, go ahead. But my mumble. thing is, it's like, well, what the fuck is next? What's next? Yeah. All right, Eliana, you can yeah. I just wanted to add something because I feel it's so important just with Meg the Stallion. As a black, brown-skinned woman, knowing how she was treated in the media compared to when Takeoff died, there it's I think we have to talk about that too, like how there's such a double standard in the hip-hop community. You know, Takeoff, rest in peace, we gotta stop killing each other. Where was that support for Megan? Mm-hmm. Y'all are saying she she lied, this bitch lied, Drake. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So Oh, yeah. Like calling these things out too and saying, okay, well, why is it that when Megan said she got shot, if she got shot in 2020, people did not believe her. She kept on having to prove herself saying, yo, I got like this nigga almost killed me. Like he literally abused me. So I feel like in the black community, you know, when we really talk about accountability, we also have to talk about the double standards within the hip hop community. Because again, Megan, it's like she's this tall, thick black woman. When Rihanna got beat by Chris Brown, everybody supported Rihanna. Mm -hmm. But when it came to Megan, because she is brown skin and thick, and she looks more sexually liberated, she's not a damsel in distress. She could take care of herself. She's not worth saving. Right. Yeah. That's the problem in the black community. I just wanted to add on that because I was like, that has to be talked about. And she, thank you for saying that. I'm glad that you got to say that because she is worth saving, by and large. Mm-hmm. worth saving so so thank you for adding that yeah yeah i've really loved sitting in the, on this conversation and just being more of a listener this time versus you know um when i host it's 
it's important for me to not just ask the questions, but give the space for the conversation to like really take off. So I'm really happy that we were able to have it. And I also want to speak directly to non-black folks who are listening to hip hop, hip hop lovers. Maybe they even like are the hosts of hip hop radio stations and things like that. Where, you know, you know. Well, uh, I, I just hope that they really heard and really digested this conversation because so often people who don't necessarily contribute to the culture take from the culture and really play it up as if it's theirs mm. when it doesn't necessarily belong to them. It's there to be experienced, not necessarily be taken from. So I really appreciate everybody being here. Thank you so much for the conversation and for being so honest about it. I hope it really changes things. You better end the show. That was a great, great <laughs> word to end on. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you so much, Elijah Day. Thank you, Juice. Thank you, Dr. Donna. Thank you, Marquise. Thank you, Kumo. Okay. Thank you, Taleo, Nikki, and the best co-host in the world, Eliana. Thank you for doing this. Um, for all of you at home, please share this conversation with a friend. Please hit that subscribe button, that notification bell. Follow us at The Stranger Fruit on all social media. And just, you know, stay safe. Take care of people. Do not use the N-word if you do not look like us. <laughs> Don't do it, okay? Period. That was such a fun conversation for us, y'all. We really hope that you enjoyed it, too. For me, I absolutely loved how honest and authentic everybody was. That's exactly what we need in order to move our cultures forward, away from oppressing structures, and towards a place of empowerment. For me, Nikki absolutely dropped some of my favorite gems around the evolution of hip-hop, as well as Marquise with his takes on education. It was so good. So that's it for us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening from so that you don't miss any of our episodes. And we can't forget to say an extra special thank you to our crew behind the scenes who absolutely made this production possible. Remember that we are a video podcast, so if you want to watch today's episode in its full Technicolor glory, be sure to check us out on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Now, this was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Let us know what you think of today's episode by hitting us up at The Stranger Fruit on social media. Now, many people don't know that the podcast algorithm favors those with a high amount of reviews. So be sure to let us know what you think of today's episode by leaving a five-star review and get us in good favor with the algorithm gods, whoever the hell they are. So until next time, peace. You know I can't help So baby, let me talk my shit on the mic Just go another feed